Hey everyone, this is your host Chris Chief and Blurred's Eye View. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain. First, it's free. You definitely can't beat that. Plus, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, welcome to Blurred's Eye View. I'm your host, Chris G. Blurred's Eye View is a podcast that discuss, that discusses everything in geek pop culture from a POC point of view. And with me is my co-host, the ghost in the shadows, Darius DC Chambers. How you doing, Darius? I'm good. Sans Mike, uh, you know, webcam because I had one on the way and I kind of got bamboozled with that story for another time. <laughs> Screw PayPal and everybody that uses it. That's oh man, PayPal's so bad. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a guest with us today. His name is Jeff Ford. Jeff Ford is one of the podcast is the main podcaster over at the podcasters where real at World Gone Geek. How's it going, Jeff? It's good, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm great, grateful to be here. You were in my uh, inaugural podcast over there, so uh, it's only fair that I return the favor. I'm I'm excited to be here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we have a lot of stuff that's happened in the past couple of weeks as far as uh, news is concerned. And what I think one of the biggest things that's popped up within the past week is possibly the passing of Denny O'Neill over at DC Comics. He was a big time writer. Uh, he had a lot of influence on Batman during the 70s and 80s. Uh, his biggest, probably best known for the Green Lantern and Green Arrow team up books. What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Um, well, obviously it's, that's sad. Denny O'Neill. Yeah. Like you said, uh, he was responsible for a lot of the, of the Batman of the eighties. And that's technically when I, when I kind of grew up through Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, back then I didn't pay a lot of attention to who was drawing or writing, uh, those comics. You know what I mean? I just, I went and I dropped uh, my allowance and took them home and devoured them quickly and read them. But, uh, (laughs) Um, yeah, that was the Batman really that I kind of, I mean, other than the, the 1966, you know, uh, show, I would watch reruns of that, that that's, that's, I'm not that old, that, that was before my time, but I watched the reruns (laughs) of that. Um, but the, the, you know, the real, the, the real Batman, I learned from the comics when Denny was, was writing that. For those who don't know, Denny O'Neill was also responsible. He was actually one of the ones responsible for bringing to light the heroin epidemic at that time when uh, Green Arrow walks in on his sidekick, Speedy, shooting heroin. It was during his run on Green Arrow and Green Lantern, it opened up a lot of social commentary about it was like a buddy cop cross country deal. You know, they were dealing with things that was basically on the street level, you know, because as Green Arrow puts it, you know, he has no abilities. You know, he has skills. He has no abilities. And so he doesn't, you know, the rest of the Justice Leagues who have all these powers and super rings and whatnot, they don't really know what it's like to be down there with the normal people, with the little guy, you know, stopping the bank robbers or stopping the people who 
doing the real big crimes, you know, that hurting the little guy. So uh, he was very responsible for a lot of that. He was responsible for bringing Batman back to his brooding Batman that we know now and know, know and love today, which is very weird to say that. But he brought that back as well. Darius, did you have any taste on that? I did not even know he passed away. I, there's so many news and so much going on. I did not. Yeah, uh, it's it's heavy. It's been a heavy, heavy couple of weeks. Yesterday, we lost Sir Ian uh, Helm, who is probably recently best known as Bilbo Baggins. He also played the monk in The Fifth Element mm-hmm. and amongst other things, you know. So it, he died uh, at 88, I believe. It was 88 years old he passed away. Very known, you know, with the name Sir at the, at the beginning of his name. He's, he's obviously been knighted, you know, by the queen. And so he had a very extensive acting background. And, and like I said, he's a fixture in pop culture as well. So what do you guys think of that one? Yeah, gosh, Ian... Uh, is he was a legend in in so many things he's uh, oh i mean a lot of people probably are like well who's that guy i mean <laughs> you do you do think of him as bilbo baggins but as soon as you see him you and you realize the stuff that he's been in you've seen him in a bunch of things um what you obviously mentioned he was the monk in uh the fifth element and anybody who knows me knows i have this uh irrational uh fandom of bruce willis movies so anything with bruce willis gets my attention but the yeah he was he was hilarious in that um as that monk he's been in a ton of shakespeare stuff uh throughout the you know he was in um oh gosh what's the uh i'm, I'm totally thinking like, oh time bandits which yes, is one of my yes. favorite movies uh God, of I haven't all seen time years. <laughs> he, he was napoleon during in the in those scenes when he yeah. was much younger then and uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been in a lot, a, a lot of things that uh, people just don't necessarily realize. But then when you when you see those roles, you're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, that's that's Ian Hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a very big, you know, I'm like hey, Jeff. We're about close to the same age, and so I remember the Time Bandits and and watching that and how weird and trippy it was as a kid and watching Love. it. You're like, man, it. It had some dark tones into it, but you know that was that British comedy, you know, that I can mm-hmm. get now, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> well, his, so. to me, probably his most uh, memorable role, though, was in the very first uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Yes, he was Ash, who was you know the the uh, android that you weren't sure whether you could trust or not. And exactly, I know it came out in 1979, but I don't know if I should spoil it for anybody. <laughs> Whether if you, you haven't could. seen Alien by now, I, I right. don't know what to tell you. But that was him in that, too. A lot, again, people were, oh, wait, that guy. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, Darius, this is right up your alley. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, man. Uh, so time, it, time travelers. They're, it, they're, they're reminding me, and it's fun. It is a lot of fun, but it's reminding me very much of uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I didn't want to say that. <laughs> it's not a bad thing because that's also an awesome show. So, but this is more of a time jump than a universe jump. So I guess it's you know not parallel, but it has been such a wild ride. Yeah, seeing the they saved Sousa, and I did not know he was the cop in Avengers. So there's a theory yes. that. Yes. Theory that they're going to drop him off in like that era, that time, 
because he's you know supposed to be dead. So now he takes the identity of that cop. You know what? And that's a that's a that's a theory I did not even think about. He was in Avengers. <laughs> he when, was in- when when Cap goes around, he starts making the orders to all the cops, and they're like, "Who are you?" And then all of a sudden, the explosions happen, and they do exactly what Cap says after that. There. But he's one. Of, yeah, he's one. I did not realize that. I actually forgot about that when you mentioned it. I started drawing back because he's considered he's considered a Whedon a Whedon-esque type character because he has been in uh, another Joss Whedon show, which was, uh, or another Whedon show, well, it was Joss Whedon show, uh, Dollhouse. He was actually one of the main characters in Dollhouse. And so he was, he's considered one of those characters, you know, you see like Nathan Fillion, it will always be known as Captain Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, which is another Joss, Joss Whedon show. So yeah, seeing that, I will say this. The guys over at that company are doing their work. <laughs> if they pulled this one off and use that theory, they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. If they can just out he has a like I can't remember I can't pronounce his name. Oh yeah. I'm not even gonna try to butcher. Yeah, he, he has a he has a <laughs> <laughs> to butcher that tonight. But yeah, so that's one theory. And then there was another theory. He was supposed to come back to the MC universe, but he ended up going back to Agents of Shield. Ah. Um, before so now we're getting the Peggy Carter crossover we were all hoping for it's just a little too late <laughs> yeah 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 as uh, uh, Haley Atwell actually came out the other day and said that she would not be showing up yeah I, I do I think it's be I think it's just because she's actually doing something else at the time anyway so that's um, timing's bad yeah unfortunately we won't get the the Peggy Carter we won coming in, but we will get some kind of mention yeah. eventually. Already got it, you know, because yeah. uh, Simmons was masquerading as her. <laughs> there was that. So hopefully it, they tie it in and it is just the ending that I'm hoping for because I don't want it to end, but I know it's ran its course over this yeah. time. So now it's kind of like, just give me the ending I want. Explain everything, tie it up with a nice neat bow. And let some of the characters move on to something else. Yeah, um, Disney just released Disney Plus just revealed something uh, yesterday, actually, and it flew by the radar of just about every fan out there. And it deals with Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. and he has a vocal cameo in The Mandalorian. Did you notice, Jeff? I I saw the headline, but I did not read that story. I, I yeah. did see that he was supposed to be in a who. What what did it end up being? He actually was a droid. He played the voice of a droid in oh. the cantina. He was the EV nine two nine droid that was working as a bartender. And That's it's so funny because it's just like the whole time they people were asking Mark Camel, did did he have any part in it? Did he have any? He was like, and he plays coy. Oh, I don't know what they're doing on that show or anything. <laughs> Further cementing the fact that Mark Hamill is possibly the best voice actor next to Kevin Conroy out there that we have now. And he's pulling it off flawlessly. It, it was fun to hear that. So, see, now I have to go watch Mandalorian again just to see that scene. Well, there's always, always a good, good excuse to watch that show again. <laughs> Can't wait for I'll season take two. It. Yeah. HBO, or speaking of Star Wars. Star Wars Squadron, the new uh, game that's coming out on Xbox, PC, and PS, or PlayStation, just revealed their trailer yesterday. 
and this thing looks fantastic. You'll you'll be able to play as either Empire or Resistance uh, pilots, and it's all from the cockpit. So you're doing a lot of dogfights. There's dogfight modes. There's mission modes. There's complete open gameplay. And I checked this thing out on YouTube, and it looks fantastic. What's your thoughts? Well, at first I thought it was just an online game, you know, that it was just going to be a multiplayer, which it's okay, but I'm terrible at those piloting games. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I would much prefer some sort of a single player storyline. Turns out, I guess it does have that. Yeah. Um, at It's $40, which is great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Considering of, that you, you see rumors of the PS5 being close to five or $600 is crazy. Right. But, but um, I also just read that um, apparently... Uh, they're going old school. There's not even any microtransactions. It's literally, uh, which is, this is like EA really reversing yeah. course. Yeah. And, and that, um, especially at $40 price point, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to charge me like for every, you know, <laughs> 20 add ons so that I can fly the Millennium Falcon or something, you know, like that. But yeah, because uh, they apparently have a, they're not doing that. So yeah, they have like, yeah, and it, I mean, it only makes sense, sense for them to do this version of a game because Battlefronts was such a hit, you know, where everything was on different planets. And so it only, and you know, I've played like the dog fighting games. I remember uh, the Cinemark actually had a, uh, a holopod where you were sitting in this scene and it gave you the illusion that you were sitting in the cockpit and flying the Millennium or flying uh, Darth Vader's TIE fighter or any of these ships. And you did these missions, and I got a kick out of that. So now this one, and it's including VR as well. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. I want, I want to see more of that. I can't get enough of the Star Wars universe. Um, we're moving on to something that Jeff really, really loves. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Yeah, That's, to... it, it's the it's the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the oh. Music. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little attached to that film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> there's some nostalgia there. Um, for those who don't know, Bill and Ted, well, as I as I said on your show, Jeff, it's the return of the Keanu sense. Now, <laughs> it's still being released. I think they moved the date up. I believe it. I do believe it's next month now instead yeah, of so. August. And it's, I think it's 40 years later, Bill and Ted still have not played the song that's supposed to unite the world. Mm-hmm. And the world is going to end in the next 75 minutes and they have to figure out <clears throat> how to save it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> thoughts <It's>, on that? <laughs> I, I'll let, I mean, if Darius wants to go first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I know you love it. I can't. <laughs> You're a guest. Guests are always welcome to speak. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned the Keanu's because I, liter- I literally quoted you in our next episode that comes out on Monday because <laughs> we talk about Bill and Ted. I, I managed to work it into pretty much every episode somehow, but, <laughs> the, uh, but I actually quoted you and I gave you credit for it. But <laughs> we, no, we, we were talking about um, Keanu Reeves, uh, um, so I segued into it from, uh, from that. But yeah, to me, like this is, this is great. I've been waiting for this for a long time. The, the first movie is it, it pretty much defined my college years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out right, right as I gra- right as I was graduating from high school. So I just gave away my age a little bit there. But um, and uh, you know that was I 
talked like them and acted like them. That's just, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I hope that I was a little bit smarter than them, but I, I just love the premise. And I think it's, it's so poignant. I mean, I know that it's just a silly, you know, dude movie or whatever, these guys, but they're, 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 they're actually, I think, telling a really poignant story that I think a lot of us in this world need to hear a lot of the geeks even of the world might need to hear is that you know here back in the 80s and then in the 90s these guys were supposed to change the world right they're supposed to have, like done something to change the world and they had they had been through things that were going to lead them to do that right. and here it is 30 years lady later and they're fathers and they've got kids and the world hasn't changed and how how much are we feeling that right now right as now. Exactly. as a society right like we knew things were wrong in the world we knew things were going on and and you know who who's supposed to do something about it i remember back in the day uh billy joel had we didn't start the fire song you know we're right. trying to light it or we didn't light it but we're trying to fight it like that was all you know like the anthem of of that time and here we are in 2020 and and nothing's changed. Nothing, nothing, you know, I mean, there's, there's some things that have, have improved, but for the most part, you know, we're still struggling with a lot of the same problems that we had. Yeah. And so I want, I almost feel like this movie, I mean, it's probably going to be really goofy and silly and not as poignant as I'm making it out to be, but I, I love the premise because I feel like that's, we're, we're all kind of a little bit of Bill and Ted right now. We're all looking around going, wait a minute. <laughs> we were supposed to to change the world and you know we kind of we kind of didn't do it what did we do and so um obviously they're going to have a time machine we don't have that opportunity no. as a society but we can still make some change and I, I hope that's the lesson that comes from the movie I, I i have no idea what to see it but we actually speculated um and you guys will like this i don't know if you heard our last episode but we speculated that um when the uh we see bill and ted in the in one in their future and they're all buff in in prison right right we're, we're wondering if that's just one possible bill and ted future like if there's going to be a multiverse type of situation and yeah. we're going to see lots of bill and ted's and then i think you i think you and i we all joked about a john wick version being out there a john yeah, wick ted yeah, yeah. like if he does if he went to military school he becomes john wick and, <laughs> and so I, I'd like to think that at the end of this movie, you know, when they're trying to, you know, they're up against whatever villainous thing is, is against them, that there's this almost like this end game kind of moment where, oh, where all these Bills and Ted's from all these different time periods, you just kind of come up behind them and they're all standing and then they play the, the song that changes the, I don't know, that's, that's Actually, what I'm that would for. be fantastic <laughs> if they did something like that. I would, oh my God, I would love that. Darius, what do you think? I, I peed a little just talking about it. Just, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't know what I can say after that. I mean, that was masterful. The, but the thing I took that was, it was like Bill and Ted was supposed to save the world, uh, went out, had adventures, got a family, got lazy, and forgot. Yeah. We're supposed to save the world. So here it is 30 years later, and it's like, okay, you guys had all this time. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. Here comes the end of the world. So now you got ultimate procrastinators with 75 minutes to save the world <laughs> what can they do yeah <laughs> so uh, i'm looking to it uh, this, this is one of those moments where you would just have to call doctor who uh, <laughs> they all he yeah. he or she always seems to solve that problem within a, within an hour sure. hour and a half maybe yeah. um hbo max 
premiered the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League this week. Uh, the Snyder cut of Justice League should be appearing next year, possibly. And I know they gave Zack Snyder about 20 million, maybe 30 million, not for reshoots as it's turning out, but I think to just kind of clean up whatever audio they have or whatever video they have and to kind of reattach some of the, the scenes that they did cut out. Now, from what I've heard, over time since the, since the movie's release, original movie release, uh, there was mention of more of a Green Lantern scene. There was mention of the general who has shown up in Man of Steel. And I believe he's shown up. I think he was in Justice League for a quick shot and more of a Commissioner Gordon scene, which I was really kind of upset about that. They didn't show more of Gordon. Uh, but that premiered this week and you get a glimpse of Darkseid finally. So there is shoot the gift <laughs> we have this conversation every time yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna say the same thing i said last time i wish they i know you know he had to leave because of family issues but i really wanted to see this originally now you're giving it to me as a kind of consolation prize for it being so off you know mm-hmm but I'm looking forward to it. I will say that because I did see the picture of Dark Side and I want to see more. They have my attention. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to see it because there was so much, I, like we said, there was so much that we felt was left on the cutting room floor that just didn't make it or, you know, didn't see it because I won't, I'm not going to say egos, but, you know, somebody else came in and had their own idea and vision and they went with that. Right. So I'm looking forward to it and I just can't wait. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited that that's coming out. I wasn't a huge fan of the original at all. That's yeah. a, uh, I guess, an understatement. I did enjoy it more than Batman versus Superman. Um, but we, but we, I, we don't talk about that. On yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> um, I did feel it was somewhat of an improvement, but it was still just such a mess. And, um. And to be honest, like it's and, and as much as I love Zack Snyder, it's just I've never I, I've never felt like he was the right guy for the for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, as a as, as another creative who, who likes, you know, who does video production and and stuff. I, I, I love the idea that this guy's getting a chance to at least finish his vision. Um, I mean, I, I, I can respect that. And so, uh, you know, we'll see if it's if it's as good as. Um, uh, or better than what what we got. The problem is the stuff that ended up on the screen the first time around still had so many problems. Unless you completely <laughs> wipe that out, right, like how right. can you suddenly improve it? Uh, that's the that's the only thing that concerns me. But I, I'm very I'm You know I think it's a neat a neat idea. Um, I wonder how you know it's obviously opening up a can of worms because now all you see all over Twitter and everywhere is uh, released the the bl- bl- insert director cut here yeah, you know yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and so every time somebody makes a bad movie they're going to be like but i had a great movie it was the studios who ruined it and this, so i hope this doesn't become <laughs> a trend with every movie that turns out badly but this one i feel like definitely he get, he should he deserves another shot he 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 you know it wasn't like he left on some sort of you know terrible terms like he was just difficult director or was just right. you know what i mean it was a family tragedy and and i totally respect that uh, you know, he wants an, a second shot, and 
it's interesting that Warner Brothers has given it to them. It's it's definitely a new a new thing. That's not something that we've seen happen before. Right. I'm I will, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, yeah. When you mentioned like this directors, it's this new wave now. You have the Iyer version of Suicide Squad. You have uh, I think it was another ver- uh, Fantastic Four. Trank's Fantastic Four. You know, no, which I, no I, I, I don't. I, I, yeah. <laughs> You took it right from me. I like I don't, and that's on Disney Plus now. And I'm just like, why, why, why? <laughs> of all the, is there something more that we need to see? And like, I, I, I honestly would rather see a third with uh, the uh, with Chris Evans's exactly back. Is I would rather see a third of those Fantastic Four movies than a remake of the Trank one. Yeah, oh god, the Trank ones were so bad. Once again, something that happens when and and Jeff, you, I think I've mentioned it to you before. There's one thing you never do as a fan. There's one thing you notice and, and wish you could tell the studios. You never change your director in the middle of your film because it loses, it loses, it loses the direction. It loses its steam and it just, you just lose all sight of everything. And then you have someone else's vision. It's, it's not like Star Wars where and don't get me wrong, I'll take the good and the bad with Star Wars. And I probably one of the few who liked the last three trilogies. I'm okay with that. But here you had a situation where, and I'll use the Star Wars for example, here you had a director on one, and then you went with, with, went with another director on the second one, and then on the third one you went back to the first director. So it lost some translations. Some characters did not get jailed out as they should have, like you give them the teasers, like Finn being force sensitive, you know, which I would have loved to see another film. Let's get Finn, Finn, the story he deserves, you know, um, that type of stuff, you know. So I'm looking forward to seeing Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder has some visually fantastic looking films. He, he really does. Um, let him finish his vision. You know, let's see what it comes out from there. We can judge it for after that, and we'll be fine. He's finished with it. We've seen what we need to see, and let's move on. You know, um, speaking of the of the DC universe, they've pushed back Wonder Woman eighty four to October. Now it was originally supposed to be August. It's now October. Uh, theaters have officially gotten the go-ahead to reopen, but they're not comfortable reopening just yet. Uh, I think due to the social distancing and they want to make sure they get all the bugs worked out, so, so to speak. And I can understand that. So, you know, I'm not in a rush to run back, but I do want to see a, a, a movie theater. That was kind of like my go-to thing on the weekend. But uh, we can wait and be safe knowing that I guess, you know, and this is the same thing Disney did. Disney did a complete shift for their uh, shift for their whole slate of movies. You know, we were already supposed to be done with Black Widow and watching the Eternals this year in November, but everything got shifted, you know, and it's, it's, it's for the better. It's for the better. So we'll get the Eternals at the beginning of next year. Everything gets pushed back a couple months. I think one of those years we actually get five Marvel films in one year, which is insane. So I'm like, well, you're taking the entire summer, you know, and probably the fall. So, and speaking of Marvel, uh, they are currently 
for Disney Plus, they are currently looking for perhaps a Native American or indigenous person, maybe a Latinx, to play a deaf superhero. And the theory is that the person is Echo. Now, for those who don't know, Echo was a uh, superhero in Daredevil who although she couldn't hear she was like she was like daredevil daredevil can't see and can fight she can mimic everything she sees which makes her a fantastic fighter and she's ta- also taken on the role as uh ronin which was currently just hailed by hawkeye in the avengers film and in in the books as well this should be interesting cuz they're now my first theory was well if they're introducing echo are they going to finally introduce daredevil? Because I know that the deal that they have with Netflix will, if not, if it hasn't expired already, it will be very soon. Mm -hmm. So that stands the question. Will it be an introduction to daredevil or since she's worked with daredevil and she's also worked with moon Knight, there's talk of a moon Knight series being done on Disney plus. Will she appear in moon Knight? There is. What you think? Not. I I mean, you know how I feel about the Netflix stuff. I wish they never would have ended that. Contracts be damned. But (laughs) um, if they can, because they have so many characters like that hasn't been introduced or people forgotten or don't know. It's just they have the potential to. Their catalog is extensive, and there's still so much money out here that they are not snatching up yet. So I think Moon Knight would be a good one. I still want to see Black Widow. We know how I feel about Luke Cage right. and Iron <laughs> Fist. So it, it has potential if they can find the right person and let them have time to train, uh, you know, so they're not doing a Danny Rand on the first season where it's just, you know, garbage. We, yeah, we, yeah. We speak not of such things. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. I forget the rules that we have. It's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alerts, because if you haven't heard it by now or seen it by now, it's just too bad. <laughs> <laughs> or you're not, or you're not missing much. One, so neither. No, Jeff. No, I think that's great. I, I would love to. I, for one, would love to see the Netflix series come back in some way, shape, or form. I was kind of hoping they would make an appearance on Hulu, which Disney owns too, and they right. can get away with a little more darker, you know, subject matter. But. uh especially with runaways being over there on Hulu and stuff that you know felt like it would fit right in. But I, uh, yeah, I would love to see um, Echo come back and, and, and bring Daredevil uh, back as well. That would be kind of amazing. And especially I would since, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, especially since Charlie Cox was actually fantastic as Matt he Murdock. Was so good. Well, all of those shows were great. I, yeah. I can't think. I mean, yeah, the first season of Iron Fist was a little rough. The but I felt like it started to kind of c- catch its stride in the second season, mm-hmm. and I loved the way that 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 second season ended. And then they're like, "Nope, that's it." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> no, it actually finally got good. Like, what is <laughs> now? You're going to pull it away?" And uh, and that that cliffhanger that Luke Cage ended on. And Luke, oh, let's. God. I mean, Luke Cage was a great. Uh, series as well, but you know, to end on that cliffhanger and then not follow through and not be able to see what's going to happen—that was I, such a slap in the face. <laughs> and as much as I loved uh, uh, Jessica Jones, uh, I, 
it, it didn't need more to me. Like I felt like she, it was time for her to move in and be a part of a group with the other team. In fact, I was I couldn't figure out how they were going to top that first season with with uh, David, oh, Tennant with David as Tennant. the purple oh, that man. Was fantastic! Oh my gosh, I was like, there's no way they can top it. And you know what? They didn't. Like the second season was good, but it was nowhere near the quality of that first season. And so and they just made a slight tease to him possibly still being yeah. around. So and then and then and it's all gone. Yeah, that was that was. <laughs> That was hard to watch. So yeah, any any little tease or any little bit. Um, plus, it's a great idea. I'd love to see um, Echo uh, brings a lot more diversity to the, the shows that are going in there, including the uh, you know the um, having a deaf character is huge. Um, I would hope that they would also get someone who who is actually deaf would be kind of cool as well to play that mm. role. Um, but uh, but then you know that's a uh, that's a great character that would that would be fun to see on screen. Right. It's it's funny when you mentioned Luke Cage and my goodness, they well, between that and like you said, David Tennant on Jessica Jones, like who doesn't like this guy? Number one, he's a fantastic actor, number mm-hmm. one. And seeing him as Doctor Who and like being like almost like a fan favorite for a certain for a certain generation and then to see him play the most creepiest role. <laughs> and you're hard. just like it was yeah it was very hard you're just like but he was doing it so well and yeah. it just it was so creepy but uh watching you know i would have liked to see jessica be folded into one of the other shows and and i was really looking forward to daughters of the dragon you know which was misty knight and colleen wing mm. and i was really looking forward to I that i thought that's what looks like looked like that's where they were headed it's almost like yeah. they recognized that iron fist um is is kind of you know is kind of a fun character but the the everybody around him has always really been more interesting <laughs> yeah exactly <And> so, <laughs> it's like let's use iron fist to to build these other characters and then you know he'll 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 be he can still be in it <laughs> yeah right but, but it you know, we'll, you know we'll 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 teeter off with the with the ladies here they did you know. a great job with colleen and with misty they and really those, did. those actresses were great and so i would love to have seen more of that it, they really did, and then, like you said, leaving that. Cl- and there, me and Darius has talked about this in great length. How they, how the cliffhanger for Luke Cage was just that. You know, it just left you hanging, and you're just like, "Oh, he's going to do this from the inside now." You know, and people were coming up with theories on how the next season was going to turn out. And next, you know, they started canceling Iron Fist, and I'm like, "Okay, well, we expected that." And then they said, oh, "We're not doing another Defenders neither." And we're like, "Yeah, we expected that too." But then they said, "But we're canceling Luke. We're, we're going to cancel Luke Cage." And we're like, "What?" And, you know? <laughs> and, then and then they're like, "Oh, the numbers didn't do that great." I'm like, "The first season, you guys crashed the internet literally, and made the servers go down." And and when they said they were canceling that, and then Punisher second season that was gonna be last season they were like well you might as well cancel Daredevil too <laughs> and that's just what they did you yeah. know so and you you just knew it was all because of Disney Plus and that they didn't want to have to compete you know uh, with themselves basically on another on another uh, so they they didn't cooperate yeah but but I but I'm like so okay so now announce how they're coming back now. <laughs> exactly like, let's let's hear it let's you know the, the I'm, I'm sure this is what you want this is what the fans want you crazy. know crazy. They're clamoring for it. Well, with it being Father's Day weekend, and happy Father's Day to you guys. You too. Uh, thank you. 
I decided to make this show the best and the worst of fathers in pop culture. And I'll go ahead and read off a name. We'll rip from there. I have uh, five of the best. I have about four, maybe five of the worst. You know, I had to think about the worst shows that had the worst fathers. <laughs> and so I had to kind of top it at the top. So, so we'll start with the best. And at the top of this list is a gentleman who actually took a child in and these, claimed he matched his own. Are these in a particular order or is this uh, just five? Like, is this number one or number five or is it? Uh, I'm just five? saying like one, yeah, five. But I'm just using like okay. the top one I like. I got gotcha. you. Know, yeah. So, and he took a, a child in that he raised as his own, gave him a lot of insight, and it made him the person that he is today. And that's Jonathan Kent, mm. the father of, well, adoptive father of Clark Kent, otherwise known as Cal L, otherwise known as Superman. Thoughts? That would work for me. I mean, he he he, he went too soon, but he did keep Cal kind of grounded and make it gave him his humanity, which in turn turned him into a I wouldn't say the greatest superhero, but uh, everybody knows my affinity for Superman right <laughs> up there with Deadpool. So it made him a better superhero. He didn't fly off the handle too much. He was even keel, mild mannered. You know, it was just, it gave him his human side. It made him feel like he wasn't an outsider. Right. Jeff? No, I like I like that choice. That's great. Um, and it, I guess it depends on which incarnation of him that you know you want to go with from the right. comics or the the more recent movies the old movies smallville uh mm. but uh, yeah pretty much in all of them uh that he's that kind of that constant uh well both both the uh, his mother and his father right. uh were you know especially when you compare him to his actual father Jorel, who again depending on the incarnation is either you know a, a very kind of like uh, ethereal good guy or was a terrible guy who kind of right, just, right. you know depending on which on incarnation but at the very least um what i've always liked about uh superman is that he is you know he has all these powers because he comes from this other you know this otherworldly you know planet and and is you know is definitely an alien among us but uh the way his he was raised you know what I mean, is determined the fact that he's super, right? Because right. he could have been, if he had, you know, come into different circumstances, who knows what he might have been like, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility. You know? Right. <laughs> but uh, he could have, uh, what if he landed and somebody took advantage of him and used him, figured out he had these powers and then used him to, to do bad things and he became a bad guy. Like there's, there's all these things. So there's a lot to be said for, you know, having a great... Uh, father in your life and and uh, Jonathan Kent was definitely one of those for for Kal-El yeah uh, I agree he like you said any current incarnation that they had he always had words of wisdom even in the current incarnation which was the films you know no matter how you felt about it Kevin Costner still embodied some form of Jonathan Kent he still gave him words of wisdom and it's still heartbreaking to watch him sacrifice well 
Don't, you, you, Clark could have <laughs> still saved him. Don't, okay, but now we're going to go. I still think uh, that's ridiculous. Like, there's no way he could have literally just ran it. You know, I mean, this is. Yeah. This it's is a Superman. tornado. Nobody's paying attention to the kid. Dude. I'm like, Come on. <laughs> yeah, it was. But it's it's it stands a testament that he, you know, he felt he put his child before anything else, so to speak. And he he said that it was only then that he needed to not expose himself to the world. Not yet. Right. Yeah. But we know how fast he is. Oh yeah. But, and he he could have grabbed him and took him. The people had just seen. The blur from Smallville, right? They, they wouldn't right, have seen right. necessarily know. He, it's just, it's, it's the whole, you know. There's enough room on the door in Titanic situation for me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that definitely, <laughs> there definitely did not have to end that way. That was the one. That was my one complaint about that movie. Actually, oh, I yeah. liked, I liked there was it room. There was room. You could have let Jack on. There was room. But I think, I think he could have saved Jonathan. He should have. But it is what it is. <laughs> no. Yeah. So you mentioned something that actually will segue perfectly into my next entry on the list which is uncle benjamin parker mm. oh. uh, someone else who has taken in a child not his own and raised him as his son now i had this discussion with my wife the other day as to why did they have to make uncle ben and aunt may so old but because <laughs> it actually makes sense that his parents either his mother i think it was his mother's sister that their parents had Aunt May early on in life, and then the sister came much, much later. She was she was an oops. <laughs> yeah, she was an oops. <laughs> was Peter, Peter Parker's mom was an oops baby. She, right? was. she was an oops baby. <laughs> but Uncle Ben, once again, he instilled qualities that stuck with Peter even now. You know, it's almost... It's almost guilt trippy a little bit when he mentions it. He always remembers his uncle in even the most dire of times. And he, he just, it's his driving force that he keeps looking back. He says, had I stopped that Robert, then he'd still be here. And now I, I can't sit back idly and watch something else happen if I know I can stop it now. So Jeff, you can take it from that one. Sure. Yeah. No, I love that choice, to be honest. And and to uh, actually, it's one of my biggest complaints. Like, I love the MCU, the new Marvel movies and everything. Mm -hmm. And I love the reintroduction of Spider-Man that they did. I think Tom Holland is great. Um, I love the interaction between him and Tony Stark. But it's one. Oh, yeah. But but even though I love those things, that's that's also one of the things that I don't like about these new movies is that Stark has kind of replaced Uncle Ben in that story. And I don't like that they've done that. And that because I always loved how Uncle Ben was just what you said, right? He's the he's kind of like, even though he's out of the picture now, you know what I mean? But it's like his memory is the reason that Peter makes good choices, right? It's because right. of what he was learned from Uncle Ben. And the fact that they've kind of, I mean, they, they barely even mention him in these new ones. And Tony Stark yeah. is kind of his yeah. conscience now. Uh, and I get it, you know, it's a new thing. It's its own thing now and, you know, whatever. But I don't, I personally have always been a little bothered by the fact that it feels like the MCU is just like threw Uncle Ben under the bus and 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 and, and let let Stark take over because of the influence that you just mentioned. Like we don't have that in the new ones. It's still it's they're still good. I still love them. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm <laughs> I'm not throwing the MCU under the bus. I'm just saying 
that was my that was really my only nitpick is that Uncle Ben was important to Peter's life and it feels like it's not. Right. Right. There's Uncle Ben was a beyond the grave moral compass. Mm. He was his guidance. He was his true north. He always kept no matter what happened, he could go back to that man career, Uncle Ben. Even when he was dying and holding him in his arms, he was still that kind of, you know, do right, Peter. Stay the course. Right. Then Tony Stark comes along and now he's this cool Corvette and he's just like, go wild, get loose. And go-, <laughs> <laughs> go wild and get loose. All right. That's that is that's an uncle thing that would say that. And they're like, that's the young I guess, it, yeah, that's the young hip uncle. Get wild, kid. Stay loose. Yeah. yeah. But here's my other question, and I know this is kind of off topic, but how come in every movie Aunt May and Uncle Ben get younger? Yeah, right? (laughs) And Peter's going to be like nine and becoming Superman. Like, I just don't. Well, it's because the the producers have the same argument that Chris and his wife had. They keep like, wait a minute, why are they so much older than Peter Parker's parents? Like, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, So out of the comics field, we're going to go into, it's still pop culture related, but another uncle who seems to fit that bill, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Once again, even though he's not Will Smith's father, he took the role on and took in a child that is not even of his blood. It's his, of his wife's blood. Yeah. And raised him as if it was his own. He steered him in the right direction. Despite the, pat, the pratfalls and the pitfalls they've gone through, Despite how much he made the fat jokes against him and everything else, he still viewed him as one of his children. And there are still some very poignant moments that even are gut-riching, such as the episode where Will's father, who's played by Ben Vereen, actually shows up and leaves him again. And that scene, and I've, I've, I've seen the articles and I've, I've seen the, the interviews for that scene, and they say even in that scene, it wasn't really it wasn't scripted it it wasn't scripted at all and you know and so when he grabs will and he hugs him he's just like man that brought something real out of him well you know it was a real thing for him yeah he pulled from his own real life experience of his dad you know leaving him and not being around so that scene wasn't just it was cathartic that scene wasn't just for the show that was will getting that real I've done all these great things and my dad was never there. Mm. That why didn't he want me line wasn't in the script. That was kind exactly. Of, yeah. And that was a that was a tearjerker if anything. I cannot watch that scene without feeling like something there's dust in the air. That right. Kind of it's touching, but at the same time it's so real. Guttural. Like, yeah, it's guttural. The tension, the the hurt, the despair, you can feel all this in this one scene, and then with one hug, it's kind of like gone. Yeah. yeah. Like the air is clear, food tastes a little better, you know, it's just like... You know, he was like, I'm here, you know, it, no matter what, I'm here, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I took you. Or in real life and in this show, I'm like your father, like, I'm here for you. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you, and I just felt that, like, that scene was real right jeff yeah that was that was powerful that that um that was that was just i mean it was what a great show um but that that episode 
it still, you know, means uh, a lot to me as well. I, I can, uh, I felt like, uh, you know, watching that, that there was, there was something more going on than just the script at that point. Although yeah. I will, I will say this and I, and I do think that he's a great father throughout that series, right? He does a mm -hmm. great job, but I want to know where we went wrong with Hillary because how does she, <laughs> how does she turn into such a selfish? <laughs> I think that, that, that <laughs> there's always one. She was the oldest, so yeah. it was just like, like, what, what, what happened to you? She was so selfish, right self-centered, self and full of herself. The and then you've, <laughs> I mean, Carlton was a little bit full of himself too. Obviously, when they first met, but he, you know, he he started to get it together at least. Oh yeah, oh but yeah. She she was so selfish all the time. <laughs> All the time, like through the whole thing. I've never seen someone so ditzy in my life. Yeah. Even when, even when, what was her fiance or future fiance was going to be? What was his name? Um, Stedman. No, no, not Stedman. It was something. <laughs> but he was, he was a television reporter, and he yeah, yeah. bungee jumps, and, and and he's getting ready to ask her to marry him, and he oh. and his cord broke or something, and it never gets it out. And I'm like, I've never seen something so. So brutal, yet so funny at the same time because she was just like, "Yes, like, yes. talking to the television and everybody's looking at her like, you do realize just what happened." Oh my gosh! I, like it was yesterday. Cause it's like Hillary, will you? She's like, "Yes." What? Wait. What do you mean, Trevor? That's his name. Says Trevor. Right. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Poor Hillary. <laughs> If anybody stayed the same throughout the entire run of that series, it was Hillary. <laughs> well, towards the end, she did kind of the, the last three episodes, maybe she did <laughs> change for the better a little bit. She was less self-centered. If that's a, if that's an idea you want to go with, right? She's a little smarter. I don't know how, but she was yeah. doing it on her own. But. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She she still had that edge to her, but yeah, that's true. I just think Coltville must have he must have spoiled her when she was younger, and he was yeah. a lot. He, he was, was his lot, first daughter. He was the yeah. oldest child, and and then and, he 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 learned from that and did and became he was better with the other the rest of them. Right. <laughs> uh, so here we have another father that's in the TV world that many don't give give him much recognition for. Carl Winslow. From Family Matters, Carl was the, the stuff he dealt with. The yeah. stuff he dealt with. I it, once again, this is one of those situations where that he, he the didn't oldest he didn't strangle Urkel at some point. Yeah, it, it, you know, oh, he came so close. The, the, <laughs> the self restraint that that was required to do that. Yeah, it, like he came so close on so many occasions. Uh, but this is one of those situations. Once again, like you, like we mentioned with uh, Uncle Phil, where Carl Winslow's oldest son, Eddie, wasn't exactly the sharpest tool in the shed <laughs> at some point. But Laura was the was the smartest a whip one, and then Judy was the smart mouth one. And so he had to wonder. Judy got the smart mouth from the grandmother, and. <laughs> And Laura probably got her wisdom from her parents, and we don't know what happened with Eddie. <laughs> well, yeah, but 
like Uncle Phil, we ain't gonna say he wasn't the, the greatest dad ever because he sent Judy to her room and they, she never came back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that out there. Perfect. Yeah. Go to your room, Judy. Like the next few, the next, for the rest of that run, you never seen Judy ever again. Judy gets into her room forever. Like, what do you have to do to get banished to your room for eternity? Right, right. Oh my goodness. Poor, poor Judy. Um, we know what happened, but you know, this is a semi friendly, kid friendly show, so we're not gonna say what exactly happened to Judy. But uh there were some moments in that show that stood out yeah. for uh uh Carl being like this great father, you know. Um one of the one scene that they've been playing a lot lately uh is when you know, Eddie was a car guy. He loved working on cars and he had a muscle car. He literally throughout several seasons was building this car from the ground up. And I think it was in its final few seasons where he was out driving and he gets profiled. Yep. And, you know, he's the son of a cop. And Carl is what you would consider uh, one of the good cops because he went and confronted that cop who profiled him and, you know, and reported him. And, and he basically showed his hand on him and, you know, like, hey, you know, this, then the other, and he dealt with Urkel with such grace, <laughs> <laughs> sensibility. My goodness! And no matter what, Steve respected him and still came back. And you know, but he loved Stefan. I'm like, but it's the same guy. <laughs> I was like, so I, I don't know. It, it's. Carl Winslow gets the Medal of the Year award for patience alone. You know, not just being a great father, but just for patience alone. He's like, Steve, like, your parents left you yeah. with me. <laughs> Why? And they moved where? Alaska. <laughs> like, like, Alaska did an Antarctic or something. That's I'm a- like, they abandoned you, man. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> yeah. So can we put his parents on the on his put his dad on the bad list? Cause he abandoned a whole child. <laughs> like we he never did. one episode. That's how bad of a dad he was. Yeah, Urkel's real father. Yeah, he's he's on the <laughs> he, we put him on the honorable mention pile there. So, what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I I actually didn't watch that show a ton. Um, I was not a huge fan of Urkel at the I think at the time, but I did like. Uh, for me, uh, I did start watching it though, because for me, it was always a sequel to Die Hard. Um, Uh, and so (laughs) as far as I was concerned, Al Powell just changed his name to Carl and moved it. It was undercover, some sort of something happened after Nakatomi Plaza that he had to change his name (laughs) and go undercover, um, and, 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 you know, and raise this family and that, that his wife was the one that needed all the Twinkies. Yeah. That's my little headcanon of how that show works. It actually works that way. I've always, always said that like (laughs) Carl just loves playing the cop. Maybe he's a cop, you know? So. But, but he, uh, he, yeah, he was super, the patience that, uh, you know, the, the episodes that I remember uh, was that he, he had to show an immense amount of patience because of Urkel. Oh, my goodness. Poor, poor Carl. Um, once again, we have another entry on the, on, the, on the list who has taken a child that he was already caring for, but now he was left caring for him due to the parents passing away. That's Alfred Pennyworth. 
from mm. Batman. Despite being Bruce Wayne's servant throughout his entire life, he always viewed Bruce as his boy, as his child. And Bruce, knowing even though he knew his father, still viewed Alfred in that father, that paternal light. You know, when it when the chips was down, he can count on Alfred. Alfred was patching him up. He was giving him words of wisdom. He was giving him words of like, maybe you should not go out tonight, sir. Maybe you should just sit down. And if you if you're watching Harley Quinn, there's moments where he's literally treating him like a child. <laughs> he's like, no, sir, you should not go out right now. You are not yet healed. And you know, there's moments where he's going through it. But Alfred Pennyworth literally cared for Bruce from birth. Mm -hmm. That was his job. And he did it very well. And he continued well, I can't say continue, maybe in some iteration, but if you haven't read a book lately, spoiler alert, Alfred's not around anymore. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Bane got a hold of him. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, but Alfred Pennyworth gets that father that father moniker as well. So, what do you think, Jeff? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's funny how many of these guys were more father figures than actual fathers in some of this situation. Like Uncle Ben was not a father; he didn't have kids of his own. But you know, Peter was you know he took him on and, and became his father. Uh, Alfred is a great example, and I think a lot of the uh, incarnations that we've seen in the movies they touch on that a lot. Like they give them a lot of those types of speeches. I think Michael Caine did right. that. Um, there's some really good moments between him and, and Bruce in those Nolan movies. Like, uh, depending on uh, the only in incarnation, I think that didn't take that was the 1966 one. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that Alfred was more of a comic relief. Like he, yeah. uh, I love it whenever uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman had to appear in the same place and Alfred would wear the costume. Do you remember that? <laughs> I think there was an episode oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. he and, and I'm like, come on. Like, but that was hilarious. Right. <laughs> um, but he was more of kind of like, you know, an actual Butler and, and, you know, he kept Batman secret, but there was never that relationship. Uh, in that show, but um, all the movies, all the comics, I love how they, and then the show Gotham, I thought that has oh, yeah. done a great job with that, even though it's done other things very strangely. Yeah. I love the way they have uh, molded the Bruce and P Alfred relationship in that. Yeah, um, he really true. He really treats him like his kid. He yeah. really does. Yeah, I, he's I, very I, protective of him. Yeah, he's deaf. I mean, yeah, and he's had to. I mean. Bruce was young even when his parents died. So he's been uh, a father and, and uh, I really, the, the whole Butler thing is just for appearances, but you know, there's, it's deeper than that for the both oh, of yeah. them. Oh yeah. Darius? Alfred should get father of the year for having to deal with, uh, you know, Bruce and all his bat related issues. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, Alfred, Alfred was, Again, that kind of a moral compass, but this one was a little deeper because Alfred didn't really guide him as far as the Batman thing, but as far as Bruce and guiding him and helping him keep some kind of humanity, because it was time for Batman got lost in being Batman. Right. Bruce was kind of blurring that line between being a criminal and being a vigilante and being a superhero. 
but not really a superhero because he was just a man in a giant dresses like a bat. But you know, it's just <laughs> there was that line that he sometimes almost crossed, and Alfred was there to pull him back and kind of keep him from crossing that line. Mm-hmm. So for that, he deserves to be Father of the Year. Talk about patience. Yeah, he, he's one. He's one of the one. Like you said, he he didn't encourage him to wear the suit, but he advised him. Like, well, if you're going to do it, <laughs> at least do it this way, you know. And, and if that's it, not a father thing, too, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know how old your guys' kids are, but I, I don't know how many times I've said stuff like that. Yeah, it's like if you're going to do it, please do it. Just right. do it this way, <laughs> right? So, um, so now we move on to the worst list. So. I don't know how much worse we can get. There, these guys. There, I don't think there's a top spot. Really, they kind of like are really all bad. I have one, but I'm gonna let you do yours. So just- I'll, I'll start. I'll start with Dark Side. Oh yeah, Dark Side, whose children include Calabac, Orion, and is adopted. Well, his nephew, which he took as a trade from his brother, the High Father. Scott Free, aka Mr. Miracle. Uh, Dark Side shows no emotion for his children, obviously. And and with the exception of Mr. Miracle, none of these, none of in Orion, they show no emotion towards him. They actually hate him, except for Calabac and uh it's one other child he has. I can't remember his the, the name, but Calabac is like his warrior. It's like his first child, he was like, go out and fight, whatever. Don't disappoint me, you know? And Orion, he's like, even though that is his son, he traded him to his brother. They, he, they traded kids as a peace agreement of all things. I, I don't know how Cain and Abel would have done this, but <laughs> they traded each other's kids as a peace agreement. And his kid became like one of the top heroes over in All Father's Planet, and Scott Free became, well, an escape artist, so to speak. And yeah, Dark Side's not really the person you want to call father at this point, you know. There is. <laughs> so, in other words, he's somebody you don't want watching your kids. Exactly. <laughs> No, Which is, oh, I'm trying to figure out how the trade-off with their kids even started, but uh, yeah. to keep the peace, I know Superman the animated series touched on that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's an episode on that, but yeah, Darkseid, he just, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's sort of like a Thanos type character. It's just all about the power and the conquest for him, and pawns are just pawns, and nobody else matters but him and his conquest of getting what he wants. I think that's the only reason he's like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure when they're at home on Apocalypse and he's feeding the dog and has a cup of coffee in his hand, that's the part we don't see. <laughs> it's always about fighting and anger. We don't know how these guys are when they're at home in their bathrobe and he got slippers on and he's flipping burgers on a on a fire pit. We don't know this. <laughs> so I think we're basing this. This is baseless. We're basing this off the wrong information. Dark side could actually be like you know taking the kids to soccer practice when they were younger, and you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm <just laughs> but oh my god, father. Let's just say that he's a horrible father. Yeah, the Jeff, thing he did. Oh yeah, this is great. 
But that's yeah. Not- yeah, go ahead. You said he was a horrible father? Yes. Horrible. Yeah. The absolute worst. I don't even think he deserves I don't even think father is a good word. They say it like as they're when they actually when Calabac actually says it, he says it as a uh he's begging, Father, please. No. Uh, he's more of a thumbs down. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, actually, I, I got to defer to both of you because I'm not familiar with Darkseid's history. I mean, I've seen and I know that he fights Superman. D- DC, uh, Batman was always my main reason for reading DC. A mm-hmm. little bit of Superman here and there, but I'm not familiar with all of his. I was really a Marvel guy growing up um, other than Batman. Batman, I had, I own tons of those comics, but that was, he was my really my only DC hero uh, back in the day. Um. We'll move on to the next father on the list. And these two, well, is two, is two entries. And they're from the same place. Uh, the first one is Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And the second is Tywin Lannister yeah. from Game of Thrones. So there are very few the, the uh, balance good dads there. In that. Yeah, very few. If there's a good dad in that show, he died in the first season. <laughs> Poor Nettard Stark. <laughs> um, Robert Baratheon, how do you describe him? He's more of a drunkard, a drunken warrior who's lost his edge, so to speak. And he's done nothing but had kids by several different people. And so his kids are all over the place. He has a bunch of bastard kids. Even, even the kid he thinks is his, he realizes it's not his kid because he figured it out. Like, I don't have blonde hair. <laughs> like, so, uh, you want to say you had to chime in on that one, Jeff? Well, yeah. So that's that. That show is so full of bad fathers. I've never. I mean, seriously. Like, almost every father is just a terrible, terrible person, which is why everyone else is terrible terrible people because they have terrible <laughs> terrible fathers why are the starks the only nice people they have the only nice father of all the ones <laughs> right. that i mean it's true like uh even even daenerys's father was terrible uh that's why her brother was terrible that's why uh ultimately she was terrible as yeah, well right. uh eventually um you know just that if if there's ever been a show that that uh i guess um is is the epitome of what happens when you don't have good fathers <laughs> in, <Right. laughs> in it's like it's that show like there this i can't i honestly can't think of anybody that had a good father in that in that show beyond anything beyond i mean uh theon's dad better. was terrible yes um who else the uh gosh they're all bad i really yeah. can't think of a good dad other than ned that's, That's crazy. It. Now that you think, now that you think about it. what's the other guy's name, the the one that was really bad that uh, uh, towards the end there. Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. There was there was the it was Tywin and, and, yeah, and well, Tyrion took care of that one. So I mean, uh, the guy who ends up killing one of the other Starks with the arrow in the middle of the field. The, oh, uh, with yeah, the yeah, dogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Exactly. His dad was terrible. <laughs> like yeah. I was just literally like every he was single. A, he was a. I could not stand. He's that the guy. worst, right? But it. But his dad was terrible too. So that's why. I mean, it's just they're all bad. All right, Darius. 
I unfortunately did not get into Game of Thrones, but from what I heard, everybody on that show sucked who was a father. Yeah. Yeah. The Starks were the only shining moment in, in, in everybody cheered for the Starks. Be on there. Oh yeah. Um now these next two entries, they're not really bad father. Let's put it like this. They're not bad fathers like Tywin and and Robert Baratheon or Darkseid. And I didn't even mention Thanos, but <laughs> but these two, they're bad in the sense of bad decision making. Hmm. So the first one is Al Bundy. <laughs> Despite everything this man has done, he does love his family. They just get on his nerves. And I think I think every father can speak to that. You know, their kids just drive them up the wall. Um, he could have done to wash the Dodge a lot more often. You know, I, I don't see how he stayed in a house in the suburbs of Chicago at, on a shoe salesman's salary, but he did. <laughs> so he made it work. You know, wife gets on his nerves. He, he'll read a nudie magazine. He has no problem going to the bathroom anywhere for that matter. Uh, <laughs> he had great rapport with Marcy Darcy, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you got to say for that one, Darius? I I don't think Al should be on this list. I think <laughs> he really shouldn't because it's, it's, it's just bad decision making. He lived in the suburbs on a shoe man's salary. If that's not a good father making it work when your <laughs> your oldest daughter is is loose and your <laughs> is an idiot, I mean, like he had and his dog could talk, but nobody can hear it. He was, before it mattered. He had the shaggy. Uh, he had the shaggy uh, experience. That's what he had. <laughs> and the man also scored four touchdowns in one. <laughs> that is a city championship game. Hi, baby. Yeah. Polk High Panthers. <laughs> he also started No Ma'am. No Ma'am. There you go. <laughs> Went to DC with it too. At the nudie bar. <laughs> Al Bundy was a hero. He in <laughs> everybody's wallet. Right. I, trust me, I struggled with that list. I'm like, I I don't think he belongs there. It's just he has a bad run of decision making. That's he all. Has the mis- decisions, but. <sighs> When in Rome, I mean, do as Al Bundy. But when he, when it was back, when it was time to fist the cuffs, he was the man, <laughs> and his and his kids was backing him up, and his wife backed him up, <laughs> yeah. and they took care of business. <laughs> Jeff, uh, he, I mean, his kids were terrible, <laughs> and that, and and I'm sorry that it, it starts with the father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that show. Uh, it was one of the few shows my my when it came out. My dad loved that show too. We would watch that together. It was one of the few shows that we both enjoyed. You know how like ridiculous that family was. But no, as as a father, uh, no, he was not a very good father. I mean, but but then you know he wasn't a very good husband. She wasn't a very good wife. They weren't very good kids. I mean, they were all you know kind of like. Um, not great people, but that's what made it so fun. You know what I mean? Buck, Buck the dog was the only one who was kind of like <laughs> the point of view of the audience is just like, yeah, it's yeah. like, are there really people like this? Yeah, there are. And, uh, <laughs> but, but like everybody on that show 
was like that. Like even Marcy and like they, you know, and Steve, and then later what was uh, Jefferson? Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson. Yeah. The even those guys all like they're just terrible people too. Like they're all just terrible people. But that's kind of what makes it fun. I mean Seinfeld, right? Those oh, they're yeah. all terrible people, but they're but they they have their good good things too. That you know. But no, I don't know if he's the worst dad uh, in pop culture. But yeah, he's not a. He's not, not. He's not uh, a great dad. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So that leads off to the final on this list because I forgot my two honorable mentions on the good list, and I'll bring them up in a second. Um, Peter G- Peter Griffin. <laughs> he's the worst. Oh, hey, hey. Now, now oh, he's let, the worst. <laughs> he, now, let me tell you. Let me say what. Let me tell you why. Peter Griffin. He tears down his own kid's self esteem. He just does. Okay. You know. I can't tell you how many times he's he said how how ugly Meg looks. Mm-hmm. I, I just I I can't say it any further than that. And they all do it because they take cues from him. So exactly, Meg got it the worst, but yeah. And he and and once again, I think it's a thing where I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a thing where where bad decision making fathers have conversation with their dogs. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Because Brian is, is like his lifetime dog, and he's just like he. Once again, he's the point of view of the audience, but he still makes a ton of mistakes himself. So, right, they're just not as bad, you know. He he tries to be the voice of reason, you know. He he tries to steer Stewie the right direction, but he still gets stuck on these weird adventures, which are still fun to watch, you know. So. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? No, I, I, I. To, well, to be to be perfectly honest, I'm not a huge fan of that show. Although I have watched like uh, all of every season of its original run on Fox, and um, I'm more of a Simpsons guy uh, than a Family Guy uh, fan. But yeah, Peter Griffin is is hands. In fact, when you told me we were doing this show, he's one of the first people I thought of as one of the worst dads ever. <laughs> um, just the yeah, everything that he's put his family through, and I mean, and it's all for. I mean, it's it's a TV show. I mean, obviously, if they don't, if there's no conflict, there's no show, right? right. Um, and and it's all even the stuff with Meg is played for comedy. I mean, that's all. But you know, if there was a real dad who talked to his daughter that way, or even his wife, or any of the kids, oh, like you know what I'm saying? Like those kids would have been taken away long before <laughs> right. it got to that, to that point in his life. But no, I, I find him to be one of the most uh, despicable dads I've ever seen. Although, uh, I still, one of my favorite episodes of any TV ever was uh, the Bird is the Word episode of Speaking oh, Family. So I, I, I'll give him the, the Bird is the Word, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't have any honorable mentions for the bad list, but I have, what, four for the good list. And I, I'll go back to those right quick. Uh, honorable mentions for good fathers. Batman, father of Damian Wayne, father of Dick Grayson, father of Jason Todd, <laughs> father, well, uh, uh, Tim Drake, father of Tim Drake. Now, those were all Robins, but the only one who's truly his son is Damian Wayne, which is the youngest of them. Um, he is his biological son by... Talia Agu, which is the daughter of his nemesis, 
Ray Ghul. Now Ray Ghul can go on the bad father list. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, Damian Wayne was introduced to the Batman world in 1987 by Mike W. Barr, a good friend of mine. Uh, he was not yet given a name. He was just an infant. He wasn't given an, a name until much, much later. And the Batman All-Star. Uh, I think it was Batman All-Star. And talk about the ultimate in baby mama drama. <laughs> uh, Talia Algu literally drops Damien off on Bruce Wayne's doorsteps and says, this is your son. Now you have to raise him. And I think Damien was, what, nine, between nine and 11 years old, trained in the way of the League of Assassins. And now Bruce has to stop his 11-year-old son from being a killer because that's what assassins do. And so he's kind of retrained his kid to not kill. And and he's succeeded so far, but Damien can still be a bit pompous and stuck on himself because he's like, hey, I'm the son of the Batman. I get the mantle next. No one else does. And he, he proves it on a couple occasions, but, you know, he's a bit of a brat, you know, so to speak. So, uh, Jeff, what do you think of that one? Yeah, well, I yeah, I was thinking of Bruce Wayne too, um, just from all the Robins, not necessarily the Damien, because I actually didn't like when Damien was old enough to become part of the story. I I, I wasn't as involved in reading the comics, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not super knowledgeable of how well he did that. But I look back at like how he was there for those for those other kids. Well, maybe he wasn't always there for Jason, but uh, <laughs> he. Um, <laughs> It, it was mostly there, but there was just that one time. That, that one time, right. <laughs> uh, he wasn't, and... Yeah. That didn't turn out too well. No, but... <laughs> they, um, they fixed it, but it didn't turn out too well, so... But it's funny that you mentioned that, because I've always been curious, like, um, like what, how things are going with Damien, because, I, like I said, I haven't read a lot of that, of those arcs to see. Uh, he is still, well, he's he's actually gone around his older brothers, quote unquote, have, they didn't really tease him. They just saying, you know, you can't be Batman. You're, you're just a kid, you know? And, and one issue he manages to go to each of their hideouts and beat them, you know, using stealth, of course. And now he's currently running the Teen Titans and he's the youngest Titan on on the squad and he's also best friends with uh, Clark and Lois's son, uh, Jonathan. So they have their own book, uh, Super Sons, and their di- their dynamic is actually fun. Watching those two go out, go out and adventure is like watching a mini Bruce and a mini Clark. <laughs> their dynamic is the exact same. You know, you have one who's very vibrant and full of life, and another one who's very brooding. You know, and 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 tactical and and everything that but the dynamic works well for them because they're best friends, you know, little kids make best friends easy, you know, and, and, and that's what he, for Damien, that's what he's been needing. You know, he was generally just raised as a test tube baby, you know, cause Bruce knew nothing about him. And this is what he, he's missed. He was missing that childhood, but now he's taking in that childhood with other super friends as well as learning things about life. So 
he, he's coming along. He's way, way better than he was before because his mother, like I said, ultimate baby mama drama. Wow. <laughs> when you're the daughter of the demon, whoa. Or the son of the demon, whatever you want to call it. On to the, the other honorable mentions I have on my list for good fathers are Reed Richards, uh, Robert Freeman, otherwise known as Granddad from the Boondocks, and you mentioned him earlier, Jeff, Homer Simpson. That's funny. Uh, when you mentioned Peter Griffin, um, so I was trying to think of uh, positive fathers from cartoons like that. And Homer, um, Homer's on, on the fence. Like, there's Homer has good days and bad. I mean, he has tried to strangle his son multiple occasions. Um, but, but I'll never forget, my wife and I were discussing this, like, as we led up to this conversation. Um, I'll never forget this episode. It was, a, it was one of the Christmas episodes. Or, no, I don't even remember if it was Christmas episode, but it involved them ending up at, like, one of those Christmas towns, right, where they have, like, you know, a little... Santa shop and stuff and uh bart gets stuck in the in the corral with the reindeer who start stampeding and there there's just i just it's a stupid cartoon <laughs> but this moment when they're stampeding and homer lifts bart up and lets them just destroy him you know what i mean just sacrifices his own body yeah. for his son to save him and it's like moments like that happen on the Simpsons more often than you think. There's like exactly. these little, these little moments, and and uh, you know he's done so many other stupid things though, and yeah. and so that's why I'm saying it's like it's a fine line for Homer yeah. because he's really just a, a, a an idiot. But yeah. I I am a huge fan of the Simpsons, a huge fan of 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 that whole series and how it you know kind of holds up a mirror to to culture and society sometimes, and. But just just sometimes when there's those moments where Homer just kind of redeems himself, and that was one of them. Like he just he just threw his body in the way of danger for his child, and I was like, if that's not a good father, do you know what I mean? If that's yeah. not what a father yeah. does, like that that was pretty amazing. The other the other uh, father I would mention from from cartoons like that is Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yes, <laughs> um, he is so he's just this long suffering. Dude, I mean, his family just drives him up a wall, but he is a working man. He was running his business. He's trying to teach his kids responsibility and, and, and you know what I mean? And, and uh, help them. And he, he does a lot of those Homer type moments as well, where he just does the right thing, you know, for his kid. Like, and there's nothing that he wouldn't do for them, even though, you know, but he works really hard to try to provide for them. And I just, I, I love that show bob's burgers so much yeah uh and and a lot of it is because i feel i like i feel like bob sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Darius, what do you have on your little your short you had an honorable mention yeah but it's for the bad list and i know you're ah. gonna hate this but batman <laughs> deserves to be number one on that list he took all them kids and forced them to fight i, I actually <laughs> had him on the on the teeter line myself and i'm like eh. He kind of did it to take him out of a certain situations, but yeah. No, 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 no. Batman's the worst father ever. You got a 14-year-old kid out here fighting in the middle of the night, not going to school. <laughs> well, did he, did he force them, or did they kind of like, he's like, they're going to get out here and do this anyway. I may as well teach him how to be safe. Well, now, in Damien's case, there was no stopping him. There was That kid was trained as a killer before he even got to Burles, so there was just no stop. He was just like, I might as well take him with me and train him not to kill. But so. he got killed. Dick Grayson didn't want nothing to do with him. 
He got Barbara Gordon shot. <laughs> Act like he was father of the year. That Batman's a horrible dad. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's my kids. He couldn't watch my dog or a chia pet. Batman is the worst dad ever. I'm saying now. Listen, if you don't like what I said, I said it. Batman's the worst dad. Hands down. I feel that way, and I've felt that way for the longest. He is a horrible role model. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well. I, 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 I can't really argue with the, the theory and the, and the logic and all of it because, like I said, he was kind of on the fence with me. You know, Dick was an orphan. Tim Drake's father was a drunk. He was late for Jason Todd when he most needed him. Uh, yeah, it, there were some moments where Bruce definitely uh, slips, you know. I did mention Reed Richards. It's kind of difficult for him to have a all-powerful son and a extremely smarter than him and Tony Stark put together daughter because Valeria is is at eight years old. Well, now she's fourteen. They aged her up. They aged both the kids up. They're going to fall in family tradition anyway. You know, one kid can pretty much create worlds at his leisure. But he's very much a teenager. And the other one is smarter than her father. Like, and Reed is extremely smart. And when you have someone who's the smartest one in the room and she's three times younger than you are, that's a problem. <laughs> so those those are those are my you know, and like I said, uh Robert Freeman from the Boondocks, you know, he <laughs> oh, bow dog stripper like that. Car- it was everything I was reading in the book. Oh, so much more. brought to semi life, brought to brought to sale life, I should say, animated life, it, and it was great. Oh my God, that if you have not seen it, and you can find it's it. probably it, yeah, you can find it. If I'm not HBO Max, may have that. Oh please, because that was an HBO show. I will buy that today. Take my money if I can get the archives of that on demand and just watch it whenever I want. That was that was a great. I used to race home from work. I used to have to sneak to watch that show. Oh man, I would get off like at eleven thirty, <laughs> and I and I didn't have a car then, but I was in walking distance. I would race to the house HBO midnight every I, Friday, and if I missed it by like ten minutes, I would wait till they showed it again. Yeah. They would show it like it showed it at midnight, then they would show it at like two in the morning. So you had two or three. I watched them both. Yeah, I, I was watching them both because here's what happened. My mom, when I, I when I it was about the time it came on, I was about still in high school, mm-hmm. so I'm dating myself. But don't y'all look at me like I'm young. And <laughs> but I used to be kidding because you know they would go to sleep, and my man, my house, you know, once my mom go to bed, it's lights out. So between real sex and spawn, I was always sneaking up trying to watch this show. And you had the TV down ever so slightly because she hadn't fully fallen asleep yet. Now, I used to know my mom's sleep pattern. I know she ain't going to watch this or catch this so I can say this without any impunity because I know I'm not going to get caught. But I used to <laughs> fall asleep right around 1230-ish. So up from 12 to 1230, it was real low with the subtitles. Once she fell in that deep sleep, I would turn it up, you know, good enough to hear it. But then whatever I missed in the first part, I would catch on the second half on the back that run, that second run. It was a system, people. You gotta if kids don't do this because it's bad. Parents do it. But no, <laughs> but no, I I used to love that uh, that that whole show, the whole premise, the way it was done, the animation. 
It was gritty and dark at the same time. Right. It was it was ahead of its time. It was beautiful. Right. Well, we are at our mark. So I'm going to do a little plug here. Uh, you can listen to Blurred's Eye View now on BlackGamutEntertainment.com. Yes, we are now part of a podcasting family called Black Gamut Entertainment. Listen to after the show. You'll hear some more information about it. Uh, if you're looking to be sponsored, we're looking for sponsors. You know, go ahead, drop us a line at Black Gamut Entertainment. Mention Blurred's Eye View. If you're looking for your, if you have, a, if you're a small business, you're looking for uh, some exposure. Hey, give us a drop us a line at the Blurred's Eye View. Uh, check out the website, check out the email, drop us an email line, mention Blurred's Eye View, that's Black Gamut Entertainment, we we are coming up in the world, we're looking for people to, to get us sponsored so we can get more listeners, so we can get more exposure, so we can get you some more exposure and we can bring you more entertainment once the world comes back together. Uh, <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, you know, you can follow Blurred's Eye View on YouTube. We'll be re we'll be updating our YouTube page pretty soon. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can check me out on uh, LinkedIn as well. Look, we thank you guys for tuning in. We thank you for you guys listening and listening to our rant and talk about. And, and rave about the San Diego Comic-Con at home. You know, if you want to check it out, check out YouTube and type in Comic-Con at home uh, 2020. You'll see tons and tons and tons of footage. You won't regret it. They're still doing more stuff for tomorrow. So until then, I'm your host, Chris G. Uh, Darius, uh, and don't put no mustard on your goddamn fish. I'm telling <laughs> you, find you. Tartar sauce or hot sauce only. <laughs> until then. Blurred's Eye View, out. Make sure to listen to Blurred's Eye View with your host Chris G on any of your favorite outlets including Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to visit our website at blackgamutentertainment.com and get the latest on news on our podcast, giveaways, and contests. That's Black Gamut Entertainment, G-A-M-U-T Entertainment.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>